This is Stan Phelps, co-author of Pink Goldfish, Defy Ordinary, Exploit Imperfection, and Captivate Your Customers. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, just connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the key insights from the best nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just a few minutes on your smartphone. Several of the books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast are on Blinkist. You can sign up for free at Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. Blinkist is spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. And if you opt for the paid version, you'll get an additional 20% off, but only if you go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. I'll have more on Blinkist in a few minutes. And now on with the show. Today, we welcome Stan Phelps to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about the book he has co-authored with David Rendell, Pink Goldfish, Defy Ordinary, Exploit Imperfection, and Captivate Your Customers. Stan Phelps is a TEDx speaker, Forbes contributor, and IBM futurist who focuses on customer experience and employee engagement. Throughout his career, Stan has held many marketing leadership roles with companies like Adidas, International Management Group. Professional Golf Association of America, the PGA, and Synergy. He also earned a law degree and an MBA. He's the author of five other books. Now, listener, see if you can detect a theme here. Purple Goldfish, Green Goldfish, Golden Goldfish, Blue Goldfish, and Red Goldfish. They all focus on the little ways to drive differentiation, increase loyalty, and promote positive word of mouth. And interesting fact, he met his wife at baggage claim in the Amsterdam airport. Stam, congratulations on Pink Goldfish and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Now, just to be clear, you are no relation to the swimmer Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympian of all time? No. In fact, none whatsoever. I tell people I actually have a couple of my toes are webbed so I jokingly say I'm I'm actually banned from Olympic swimming. So no no relation. Yeah, that was trying to give people a hard time. And right. I got to believe that Michael Phelps may have been the one that didn't want you uh, in the Olympics uh, because of the confusion, you know, the brand confusion, if you will. Exactly. So speaking of Amsterdam, uh, we have uh, a listener to thank for introducing us, Roland DeWitt from the Engagement Factory. He uh, introduced us. And, uh, you know, so we live th- like a three-hour drive from each other, but it takes a listener in Amps- in, uh, in the Netherlands right. <laughs> to introduce us. Isn't that the way that works these days? 
Well, I uh, I appreciate him making the introduction. I'm actually going to be in Amsterdam a week from today. So one of my favorite cities in the world. Oh, that's great. Just stay away from that baggage claim area. <laughs> Schiphol, Schiphol Airport, if you've never been there, it's one of the most amazing airports. Funny fact, it is the only airport in the world that's below sea level. Well, I mean, uh, much of the Netherlands may be as well. So that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's quite an operation there. I've, I've, I've been there a couple times, and it's just it's, uh, a marvel. So I should say, uh, Stan, for this interview, I am wearing a pink shirt. I appreciate uh, just, that. Just to, you know, I feel different, you know, I feel pink. Um, and also, uh, you sent me a copy of your book and you very nicely autographed it for me, which I just, I love. And you, you had a very nice note. And at the very end, you said, in signing off, you said, stay weird. And I thought, gosh, how does, how did he know? I mean, it's not <laughs> like I live in Asheville or Austin or Portland. I mean, how did you know, Stan? <laughs> I know you have a funny sense of humor, and I think I think what and it's a theme throughout the book is that there are things that make us unique, and the differences for people and brands that understand those those nuances and not try to cover them up, but actually double down on them. So yes. uh, I I always encourage people to to embrace a little bit of their pink side. Well, you have no idea what a breakthrough this book was for me because I, you know, I'm feeling so much better about myself now. Um, but Stan, before we go into pink goldfish, quickly let's let's go back and uh, just explain uh, how these all fit together because it really is interesting. You know, first off, what's with the goldfish? Are you like a spokesman for Pepperidge Farm goldfish crackers or? <laughs> no, but believe it or not, when I wrote the first book, I lived in Connecticut and. Uh, the Pepperidge Farm. Pepperidge Farm was was founded in Westport, Connecticut, and I live literally lived about a mile from the their their kind of headquarters in Connecticut. They're now owned by uh, the Campbell Soup Company, mm-hmm. but um, that even wasn't why. It's kind of just that's an odd coincidence. Uh-huh. You know, a goldfish. But their trademark uh, lawyers haven't been coming after you, right? No, 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 no. You know, a goldfish represents something that's small. And the thread that runs through all of the books is the idea that little things can truly make the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. And one of the – when I started this project, I wanted – you know, it, and I can give you a little background of why I went on this journey. But it was this idea of, of small things. And one of the inspirations was a hotel chain called Kimpton. Mm-hmm. Have you ever stayed at a Kimpton? Yeah, very nice as I recall. Yeah, they really get the customer experience and the guest experience. They do a lot of little things. Um, so there's always gourmet coffee for free in the lobby. Um, in the afternoon, they do wine tasting. They're pet friendly. Uh, a lot of them will let you take a bike out to tour the city. But one of the things I loved, and this is such a signature little thing that they do, is at some of their hotels, maybe you're there on business, you're getting a little lonely where you're there with your family and you're missing your family pet, some of the hotels would give you a pet goldfish for your stay. Mm-hmm. And it's a program that they call Guppy Love. And so that was a little bit of the inspiration. The bigger kind of it, my first pet was a goldfish. I, I always thought goldfish were small and they're roughly about three inches. 
the world's largest, which comes from the Netherlands, is nearly 19 inches in length. Mm. And this episode is brought to you by Netherlands Tourism. <laughs> exactly. Well, how could you know? How is that possible that average can be three inches and the world record is six times the size? And so there, there's just a lot of parallels on why you grow. Well, business. Sam, let me just interject yeah. since I read the book. Uh, in the book, you did talk about how the Netherlands has the tallest people. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> there, there could be a correlation there. Yes. So there's uh, the, the, there's different things like the purple goldfish. Uh, I guess that was the first one, purple goldfish. Purple, which was all of the little things that you do to stand out right. in the experience that you provide. And, and it's based on the premise that, hey, if you can take care of the customers that you have, they will bring you the customers that you want. And so the, the colors were, the first three colors are a reference to uh, New Orleans and Mardi Gras. So purple, which was for customers, green, which was about your employees, and then gold, which is about your top 20% of mm -hmm. your customers and your employees. Mm -hmm. And then uh, blue goldfish is about getting customer advocacy by using technology yeah, and data. Exactly. How do you leverage technology? And I think this is going to become more and more prevalent, mm -hmm. is how do you get to understand your customers better? So you can not only be more responsive, but how can you take what you know and personalize that experience and even be predictive of what they need next? Mm -hmm. And then red followed blue, uh, and red was all about the power of purpose and how I believe purpose is going to become one of the ultimate differentiators in business. Yes, and you know every one of these is a big marketing issue and there've been books on the podcast about these these very things. And the other thing that is just not talked about enough is the idea that you just touched on which is companies need to be focusing on their customers and selling more to their customers before they're off trying to you know uh <laughs> clog the sales pipeline with lots of new people that you can't really uh, right. deliver a great experience on. I'm I'm glad to see more and more marketers and, and, and companies starting to understand that. But a lot of leaky sales funnels, I guess you could say, where they just say, no, no, just got to get more, just got to get more. <laughs> right, right. Well, the, I think one of the things that, and the whole reason I used to be all about in my marketing career, my first two decades, all about kind of tell and sell. So how could I interrupt that prospect? How could I get them into the funnel? And I think not enough attention to your exact point is actually um, the focus that we have on the customers that already do business with us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what we, I think gets lost so much in, in marketing is that we value a customer that we acquire and we hold them almost up equal to somebody who's been referred to us by a current customer, and they're nowhere even in the same ballpark of being equal. Mm -hmm. yeah. That referred customer stays longer with us and spends more money, and this is what also get lost. If I've been referred myself, what am I way more apt to do? I'm apt to tell other people because I've already been referred myself. So I will refer in my lifetime up to twice the amount of people. And I just think it, you know, the cost of acquisition is not going down. It's becoming more 
and more expensive. And so the ability to take care of the customers that you have and maybe upsell them, I think is a far greater opportunity. And I'm not saying it has to be one more than the other, but at least spend at least 51% of your time on the customers that already know, like, and trust you. Amen. And you may have heard of uh, Noah Fleming. He's been on the podcast twice, and he wrote uh, his first time I interviewed him. It was about his first book called Evergreen. It's all about this very topic, you know, (laughs) sell more to your existing customers. A lot of new customers could actually kill your business. And of course, he points at Groupon as a perfect example. It's destroyed a number of businesses who thought, oh, if we just got a bunch more business, it would do well for us. But in, in a sort of joking way, he says that the reason for this phenomenon of uh, focusing more on getting the new customer than keeping the old one is because companies are addicted to sex. <laughs> now, what he means by that is the sexiness of going after the new customer, you know, the, the conquest, you know, getting another notch there, uh, which just seems, uh, you know, sexier as opposed to uh, it's, it's like the hunter and the, the farming seems more boring, but it's uh, many times more profitable, and it's much easier to sell more to existing happy customers. So anyway, it's just it's such an important topic, and I I just don't hear enough about it. So I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. But let's move on to the book. And let me ask you to explain, when you say, everything we've learned about weakness is wrong, what? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, here's, here's the, one of the basis is that every weakness has a corresponding strength. And so sometimes we have to look in the areas of what we do, of what makes us unique or different. And a lot of times that's what makes us weird or, or weak or what some people would perceive as weak. And I think what a lot of businesses get wrong is that they see that uniqueness or that weirdness and they try to tamp it down Mm -hmm. instead of seeing that there is gold there, that those flaws actually hold the key to what makes you awesome. Whereas what we talk about in the book, this idea of being flossom, and that if you can actually amplify those things and double down on them, that's where true differentiation lies. You talk about fitting in and becoming a, a Me Too brand will never lead to success. And in fact, uh, you, you said benchmarking <laughs> is not the path to greatness. No. Talk about that because it's so true. But could you talk about why it is that companies and humans, uh, maybe it's evolutionary, why they want to be so much like the others? Is it, is it a sense of safety? I, you know, I don't. I, I couldn't get in even into the psychology. I just think that when we look at who the leader is in a category, we automatically start to dissect what are the things that make them successful. You know, if they're the leader, there's got to be reasons why that customers do business with that company or brand. And let's break down the you know the the five or six ingredients, and then let's start to go after them. And let's start to match that. And I think when you get into that matching game, everyone starts to look the same. And so I think one of the one of the I think the crazy things is just by adding stripes and trying to match is not the road to uh, to standing out. 
what we talk about is either trying to understand what makes you different in your DNA and flaunt or amplify that, or understand what everyone else is trying to do and actually maybe pull back some things in order to stand out and be different. Yeah, and there are so many things that are, I guess, seemingly counterintuitive to people, but you you said you researched like 250 companies that are doing exactly what you're talking about, and you have plenty of them uh, described in the book. The beginning of the book, you talk about why, and let's explore that a bit. Talk, talk about why companies more, about why they should embrace weirdness and, and amplify their weaknesses to differentiate their business. I mean, normally it seems like so many companies are trying to fix weaknesses, you know, or, or, or stamp them out or rough, uh, right. remove those rough edges. Remove the rough edges. And no, no. I, so first off, you know, the why is differentiation at the end of the day is what, and I'm not saying anything that we don't know as marketers. It is the reason why we exist in marketing to try to get, um, this idea of customer getting distinction. I'm a huge fan of, uh, if you're familiar with Ted Levitt. Yes, Harvard Business uh, uh, Yeah, the late professor. Ted Levitt. And probably the, uh, the author of probably one of the greatest articles in the Harvard Business Review, Marketing Myopia. Myopia, yeah. Wow. And so if, if I love this quote because it sums up my entire reasoning for being as a marketer. Mm-hmm. And, and Ted Levitt says this. He said, the search for meaningful differentiation is central to marketing. He said, if marketing is about anything, it's about achieving customer getting distinction by differentiating what you do and how you do it. He said, all else is derivative of that and only that. And you open the book with that. And, you know, he was probably at Harvard in the 50s and 60s. And when you see a quote like that, you think, how prescient. It's even more right. important now. In the book, you, you mentioned FLOSSOM, which is a, an acronym for the different types of ways that you can reveal your, your pink goldfish. And we won't, probably won't have time to go through all of them, but they stand for flaunting, lopsiding, antagonizing, withholding, swerving, opposing, and micro-weirding. So let me, let me just read from... Uh, one page and ask you to explain. On page 38, you said, our goal in this book isn't simply to help you become comfortable with what makes you weak or weird in business. We want you to parade those weaknesses without shame, to show them off. Talk more about what you mean by flaunting. Yeah, so flaunting is really the cornerstone principle of the pink goldfish. It is this idea of kind of owning what makes you different or unique and not being afraid to actually flaunt and what we call parade without shame. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give you an example of that. There's a Canadian cough syrup company called Buckley's. Um, and I had never heard of Buckley's, but if you, if you tell some people their eyes light up, they know what it is. And Buckley's has been around for, for decades and one of the things, I mean, think about it if you're a marketer for cough syrup. You know, one of the horrible things is that cough syrup, inherent by its nature, tastes awful. And so when they talk to customers, they would say, look, your, your, your cough syrup works 
amazing, but it tastes awful. (laughs) And so instead of trying to come up with a bubble gum or cherry version, or even try to convince people that it doesn't taste as bad as it does, Buckley's leaned in and flaunted the fact. Um, In fact, they went so far in their advertising to do these blind taste tests where they compared their cough syrup to trash bag leakage and sweaty gym socks. Mm, yeah. And they, yeah, they were, in, they were in the face. And here was the message, you know, it tastes awful because it works. That's right. You've got a picture of, the, of an ad in the book. It says, the headline says, people swear by it and, <laughs> and add it. Right. <laughs> it tastes awful and it works. They went from 2% market share up to 11% market share. That's a 550% increase. By not trying to uh, play down the inherent nature of their product, but actually put it in your face and actually flaunt that it's worse than what you actually think it is. Yes, and there were several great examples, and it reminded me of back in my ad days in New York. One of the accounts I worked on was Listerine, Mm. and it was before, actually I was on it when they introduced the the cool mint flavor. But before that, for like 115 years, it had been that nasty amber stuff, which I still use. Um, and it, they had campaigns before I got there. It was like uh, Listerine, the taste you love to hate twice a day. <laughs> exactly. And in consumer research, it was interesting because there was what was called in marketing speak, uh, perceived efficacy. So the problem with uh, the better tasting stuff is people thought, well, but is it working? It tastes yeah, it's not nice as well, right? <laughs> it's a trade-off here. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that uh, I mentioned was micro weirding, and you talk about how I wanted to mention that next because some of these things are you know big strategic steps. But you right. said that this is actually the probably the easiest and least risky way to begin creating your pink goldfish. These are like minuscule actions in right. keeping with the goldfish theme. What what are, what are examples of micro weirding? You know, one of the examples we talk about in the book, and we've got a ton of them, is a place in Southern California called the Magic Castle Hotel. And last time I checked, I think they had 3,400 reviews on TripAdvisor. They're one of the most reviewed properties on the entire website. And they do a lot of little things to stand out. Uh, One of the things is that... um, that's a little different is that they don't have mini bars. If you want a soda or a candy bar, they literally will just give them away for free down in the lobby. But my absolute favorite is at their pool and they're, they're in Southern California. So every place has a pool. It's required by law. Yeah, exactly. They have down at the pool, this little red phone and it's called the popsicle hotline. And so you can walk over, pick up the phone, someone answers it, and you have, I think, three or four choices. And within a minute or two, and it's a free popsicle, they walk out with white gloves and a silver tray and deliver you your popsicle poolside. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, Jay Bear would call these a talk trigger. These are little things that you do in your experience to kind of stand out. Um, and embrace what makes you, again, what makes you unique, or it may be something that makes you not quite like everyone else. 
Right, right. So, and it, it just seemed like a great way because sometimes when I'm lo- we're looking through this, I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of fear in the business world. Oh, I don't want to go try that, but this might be a way to uh, kind of get people thinking about it and uh, see what happens. The next one is, I guess, in terms of uh, scaling up, would be what you call swerving. Right. And I just wanted to read this other passage because it really jumped out at me. You said, it's very common for brands to homogenize. As we look at what successful companies are doing, it's natural to emulate them. This has even been institutionalized in the process of, wait for it, (laughs) benchmarking. Benchmarking. (laughs) We try to find out what others are doing right and then do the same thing. It sounds reasonable, but there's a problem. When everyone in an industry starts copying the leaders, then over time, the entire industry starts to look the same, feel the same, and sound the same. There are no differences. Nothing distinguishes one brand from another. It's herds of cows and zebras, and everyone's competing to be even more like the competition. So an example of a, of a swerve, you've got uh, like Spirit Airlines or the, right. the Voodoo Donuts. What are, what are some other examples of, uh, or just just pick one. They're they're all a bit unbelievable, frankly. <laughs> sure. Um, so one of the ones that we you know swerving is you know we advocate in the book like withholding and lopsiding, which are kind of polar opposites. Right. Swerving tends to be a little more than micro weirding. These are kind of smaller first steps that you can take uh-huh. to stand out and do things different. So one of the ones we like is um, a company that sells socks. Mm. And uh, it's called the company name of the company is called Little Mismatch Socks. And what we like is that they do something a little more unique, and then they do something a little different than what everybody else does. And so let me ask you this: What's the problem when you buy socks over the course of time? Well, the dryer eats them. Something happens to them. <laughs> Try to match them all up, and I don't know, right. they never, even if you have like a bunch of black socks. You they know, don't. A, a yeah. Boring guy like me. Even then, it's like, well, wait a minute. These these are all starting to look different. Right. So what Little Mismatch does, they do a little something more and a some a little something less. One um, that they do that's that's kind of different than anyone else. When they sell their socks, none of them match. That takes the pressure off of me, right there. And then the little more of what they do, they actually sell them in sets of three. So if you lose one, you're still good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, swerving is what we encourage. Micro weirding is a really easy thing. The next step up is to think of swerving. Again, to embrace, embrace a little bit of your uniqueness, this idea of the peacock, or a little less of what everyone else does, which we call the polar bear. We're going to take a break here so I can tell you more about how Blinkist can help your career. Listening to the Marketing Book Podcast says more about you than you may realize. In addition to being physically attractive, seriously, I've met many of you and you are a very attractive audience. It also means that you're curious and serious about your business success and you enjoy learning new things. And your interest in learning also means you're either successful or will be because all the research indicates that big learners are big earners. Plus, with all the changes happening in marketing and sales, continuous learning is crucial. But there's only so much time and you need to manage it carefully. And unless you're, say, the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you may not be set up to read a book every week. 
That's where Blinkist can really be a time saver and a career booster. Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, is a smartphone app that takes the key insights from over 2,000 best-selling nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes or less. Instead of having to wade through hundreds of pages of a book, spending hours reading each book like I do every week, you can go through two books in 30 minutes. And the books that are on Blinkist are really top-notch, including several books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, including The New Rules of Marketing and PR by David Merriman Scott, Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday, Epic Content Marketing by Joe Polizzi, Everybody Writes by Ann Hanley, Hug Your Haters by Jay Bear, and many, many more. It took me hours to read those books, but you can get smart audio summaries of each one in just 15 minutes. Blinkist has been selected as one of the best apps by Forbes, New York Times, and BuzzFeed, amongst others, and it's used by over 1 million people. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast right now, today, to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan when you join. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. I recommend getting the yearly plan, that's what I did, and getting 20% off because you're going to want to keep it anyway. But don't worry because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast, and that means you're going to be letting them know that you support the Marketing Book Podcast and that you want that discount. You'll get the free version or 20% off your annual plan. I also have a link to it at marketingbookpodcast.com. It's a great, inexpensive, and very smart investment in your professional development and career. And now, back to the show. I just wanted to talk about lopsiding because this is the one that my uh, wife would think probably best describes me because you explained that lopsiding is about being unbalanced, imperfect, unstable, and odd. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, lopsiding is understanding what makes you unique or different and not only turning up the dial to 9 or 10, but like going all the way up to 11 uh, and amplifying that difference. So, Oh, that's right. You, you included the, uh, the dialogue from uh, Spinal, <laughs> Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap, yeah. One of my absolutely favorite scenes, if you've never seen it, is this idea of all of their amplifiers go up to 11. And so a great example of of lopsiding is you think about fast food. And a little over a decade ago when Super Size Me came out, what did every fast food company do? Uh, Probably tried to offer a bunch of uh, healthy stuff. Yeah, water, salads, even fruit, which never made any sense to me. Yeah, it's like drinking a non-alcoholic beer. I mean, <laughs> right. So, um, but there was one company when everyone started to go this idea of of following the leader and trying to have healthy options. There was one company that actually lopsided and doubled down on the fast food experience, and they were in trouble too. Right. Oh, yeah. They were closing stores left and right, and they created a thing called the Thick Burger, and that was Hardee's. And Hardee's took food that was fat and nasty, and you know what they did? 
They made it fattier. They made it fattier and nastier. Um, and, and, you know, literally said, look, you know, eat like you mean it. And we understand that this is not going to be the most healthy thing for you. But if you're going to make this choice, don't mess around, right? We've got, we've got you covered in terms of the food of what you need. And we talk about in the book, my absolute favorite of what they offer, you can get it as a burrito or a biscuit. It's called the Apocalypse, right. which <laughs> leaves no part of the pig uncovered. You get ham, sausage, and bacon with your egg on your burrito or biscuit. Mm-hmm. And a coupon to the Cardiac Cath Lab, I believe. Right, right, right. And what's the irony, we talk about it in the book, what's funny is McDonald's was one of the first to go on that healthy kick. And just now in the last year, they've actually removed a lot of those items from their menu and they've went back to what they were successful at. Mm-hmm. That was an affirmation for the, the points you were making there. I was not aware of that. I don't, I don't eat at McDonald's like I should. I was not aware they were doing it, but it makes a lot of sense because they were trying to get people that weren't going to eat there that much anyway. Right. It was probably just not, that, it was probably not very profitable for them. No, no. In fact, they, they found that they were not losing people because of those healthy options. Mm -hmm. uh, it was losing their focus on being what they were good at, and, and they've corrected it. In, in fact, this is a little sidebar that makes me kind of weird or different. I actually love, I should say, I used to love especially the breakfast at McDonald's, but every time I travel outside of the U.S., my first meal is always at McDonald's. Yes, I saw that in the book. You know, Stan Phelps, um, often I try to find some sort of interesting fact or something kind of weird about or, or embarrassing about the authors I interview. Uh, no one's made it easier than you have because you have a whole page. <laughs> it says weird well, things about Stan, weird things about David. So, Well, and, and look, I, David really is the driver. He's the reason behind Pink. And um, if people aren't familiar with Dave Rendell, really would encourage people if they wanted to find out more about Dave and, again, his book, The Freak Factor. You know, it's this simple idea that what makes us weird is what makes us wonderful. And the idea that what makes us weak can also make us strong. And, and Dave is, if you can picture him, he's about almost six foot seven. Mm -hmm. He wears head-to-toe pink. Mm -hmm. um, his wife, Stephanie, is, is, she's awesome. She, if you can picture this, she's five foot three. Mm -hmm. Now, you said he's 6'6", six, six, but in the book it says he's 6'9 in heels. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He has three daughters. His dog is female. The story goes that, you know, like literally he thought his daughters and his wife uh, and even the dog, to an extent, were trying to turn him into a female. So he actually just embraced it. Uh-huh. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, let me just ask one of these other ones, and it's about antagonizing. And I'm wondering if the next Goldfish book is going to be called Stoned Goldfish. <laughs> and I'm going to read this excerpt, and, and 
explain to me what it's about, but that I was starting to think that might be the next one. Sure. You say on page 64, we want you to intentionally exasperate, irritate, provoke, aggravate, and instigate hostility. Go out of your way to rub people the wrong way. Try to earn a few more one-star reviews on Amazon or Yelp. Tell your employees to increase the number of complaints. Make customer satisfaction less of a priority. Ring a bell in the office every time you get a nasty email. Try it. We promise the more some people hate you, the more other people will love you. Talk about antagonizing and the cinema in uh, Texas. Yeah, Alamo Drafthouse. First off, you know, here's the deal. This is just a simple truth. If you if you try to be for everybody, essentially you're for nobody. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important. We we spend a lot of time in marketing to think who our target market is. Who's our ideal customer? I think we should also spend time to think about who do we not want to do business with whatsoever? Oh, absolutely. It's so helpful when companies do that. Like a negative buyer persona, if you will. A- absolutely. And you know what? Go out of your way to alienate those people. And so one of the examples we absolutely love in the book is a uh, you know, Entertainment Weekly said the best movie theater in America. Um and it's, it's a place that started in Austin, Texas. They're now popping up all around the country. We just got one here in Raleigh recently. And it's a place called the Alamo Draft House. And great beer, great food. They're ultra serious about the movie going experience. And one of the rules that they have is this idea of no talking or texting once you're in the auditorium and especially when the movie starts. Mm-hmm. And it's a zero-tolerance policy. So if they catch you either talking or texting, they chuck you out of the theater. They don't give you your money back. You've broken the rule. You're out. And so a few years ago, there was a customer, a woman that had frequented the cinema, abused the rule, and got tossed. And she left a scathing voicemail message calling them out. And so what most companies would do is, is this idea of, you know, how do we apolo- reach out, apologize to the customer, uh, maybe give them a free couple free passes, um, you know, totally do the whole mea culpa. That's not what Alamo did. <laughs> they actually posted it on their blog and now use it in the theater as a public service announcement. So before the movie starts, they play this uh, PSA, and I'm going to include a link to the uncensored version. <laughs> There's a censored and an uncensored version, because this person that called in was swearing quite a bit. And what they do is they start out by saying, hey, you know, there's like title cards that come up and say, look, you know, don't text or get on your right. phone while this is on, or we're going to throw you out. And then they play that, uh, and they bring the text up in a very funny way. And then it says, uh, you know, reminds them at the end, we're, we're going to throw you out if you do that. And I, it's hilarious. I've watched it a few times, and we'll also include a link uh, to their YouTube page because there's a few others that are on there that are that are just hilarious. And it's such a great example. I mean, I was almost encouraged by it, thinking, you know, maybe there are a few things we could be doing, or, or some clients could be doing to sort of say, look, this is more about what we're at, what we're about. Right. And so many companies don't seem to want to. 
like you, you talked about the purpose-driven uh, example. A lot of them don't want to do that, but I think if they start to think about who they don't want to appeal to, that may start right. to nudge them in that direction. Yeah. In, in fact, we also talk about planet fitness, which is a great example. Yes. You know, they want to create a judgment free zone. They don't want you to be working out and be intimidated by someone next to you that's pounding out weights and grunting and, you know, preening. Um, and so literally they will kick people out of what they quote unquote call meatheads. Uh-huh. And they've got a bunch of really funny advertisements that really call out the fact that, hey, we're not for you. This is not that type of gym. Yeah, and then you also include the example of CrossFit, which seems like the polar opposite. Well, exactly, right? We're our, our your you know, our warm-ups are harder than your workouts. And uh yeah, and it's yeah, they they take it to an extreme. They they're a great example of I wouldn't say they antagonize, but they lopside what they do <laughs> and flaunt the fact that hey, it's not for everyone. You need to be a serious athlete. Yeah, yeah, and, and and they evangelize it like crazy. Yeah, um, they're sort of the gluten free of uh, gym <laughs> memberships, I guess, because they want you know everyone that does it wants everyone else to know about it. So, Stan, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? I think this it's this idea of how do you understand what makes you different, and then um, hopefully be able to either turn up the dial. To, to amplify that weirdness or weakness or purposely turn down the dial in some areas to be different than everyone else. And if I think if companies could figure out and even people could figure out those one or two things that makes them different and they double down on it, I think you'd have a lot more brands that stood out in the marketplace. And I'll tell you exactly how to do it, which is what we didn't talk about in, the, in this interview, but the third section of the of a three in this book is all about how to go about doing it and you have got these unbelievable like templates these checklists that you can use to help right. people start to identify these things and stan phelps i'm here to tell you i think i think we're going to use some of these with new clients great and and one of the reasons why I, there's many many benefits of this but one of them is we we happen to produce a lot of content and we're always trying to speak in a certain voice that works for a client but it has to be you know, uh, it has to be their voice. Their, their, right. their, this is a great way to help uh, sort of infer what their real voice is. And I think it could get them really excited. So, I mean, it works on many, many levels. And uh, we're stealing it with full attribution, of course. But uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we're going to be talking about that. So now in the book, you all talked about a number of books. But what books have inspired your working career? What have been some of the milestone books for you? You know, for me, it's... Uh, I, I totally think the experience that you provide is the most important thing going forward. And so there's two books that I think don't get talked about enough. One is called Uncommon Service by uh, Francis Fry and Ann Morris. And, it, and it, it plays on a lot of this idea of how do you really understand what your customers value the most and to be great at those things and to be have the courage to be unapologetically awful at the things that don't matter. Um, so I love that one. And mm. then another very simple one that I think everyone should read if they haven't picked it up yet, uh, Chris Malone. Um, it's called The Human Brand. 
and he co-wrote that with uh, Susan T. Fisk. And it's about how important both warmth and competence is in business. Wow. You know, I'm not sure I knew about either of those, but uh, weekend activities just got filled up. We're going to include links to those books at your episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or looking forward to reading? Uh, I just got yesterday in the mail uh, The Convenience Revolution by good friend, fellow IBM futurist, Shep Hyken. Yes, and he's been on the on the podcast. What a book. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think is in it, I talked about in the Purple Goldfish, this idea of adding value, little ways that you can show warmth. But I think the convenience side is is partly about warmth, but it's a lot about the competence bit. How can you remove friction in the experience? And I and I think so. I think that's a great book. Um, Agreed. I need to pick up uh, Talk Triggers by by Jay and Daniel. Oh, I think terrific. there's a lot of similarities between Pink Goldfish and Talk Triggers. Um, in fact, Jay was nice enough to do uh, a blurb for for Pink Goldfish. So look forward to picking and diving up into that. Yeah. Well, having read both books, I think they're excellent companion ones. In fact, on Amazon. When you see like pink goldfish, I guarantee you're going to start seeing customers who bought this also right. liked, and you're going to see yeah. talk triggers. You're probably going to see utility. Yeah. His other yeah. Ones. And I'm a big, you know, again. Um, and then lastly, I would just say, look, Freak Factor is an amazing book. And again, I would look at that more from a understanding more of your individual personal um, from more of your personal brand or from your leadership perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Freak Factor is a great book. Terrific. Well, we'll include links to all those books. But how best can listeners learn more about you and this newest book? Sure. So uh, stanphelpsspeaks.com is my, is kind of my personal site. And then all of the, a lot of these books I've written with co-authors, kind of the overarching site is purplegoldfish.com. Okay, super. Well, we'll include links to your site's uh, your LinkedIn profiles. We'll include David on there as well as the Twitter handles in this episode's show notes, as I mentioned before, at marketingbookpodcast.com. And for the listener, if you're listening on your smartphone uh, and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on your podcast player, like Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music, and you're not driving, all these links can be found by going to this episode on your podcast player and clicking on the show notes link. The name of the book is Pink Goldfish. Defy Ordinary, Exploit Imperfection, and Captivate Your Customers. The authors are Stan Phelps and David Rendell. Stan, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks for having me. And that closes the book on episode 197 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat, and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor, Blinkist, to support the Marketing Book Podcast and start your free Blinkist trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. Visit Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. And please join us next time as we welcome Joel Backler to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, Digital Influence, Unleash the Power of Influencer Marketing to Accelerate Your Global Business. And make sure 
to stay subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast because we've got a very, very special guest joining us for the 200th episode. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. 